solemnity of the ascension is an opportunity where we are invited to hope and trust in God and in his plan, that he has a plan, he has a plan for our church, for our world, our entire society. He has a plan for me individually, and that plan will come to completion. And it will come to completion in the way God wants if I simply remain faithful to him and make him the most important reality in my life. Especially when we don't quite understand or we don't have the full picture of God's plan and all the different ways that he is working in our, li- in our lives and the lives of those around us. You can really say that the ascension is kind of the beginning of the end of God's plan for all of humanity. Right? It's the beginning of the final completion, you could say. It becomes more full at Pentecost when the Spirit is poured out upon the apostles. But the ascension marks the moment when Jesus takes humanity into heaven, right? He united humanity with divinity at the incarnation at Christmas, and now for all of eternity, right, he doesn't shed his humanity after the resurrection. He brings humanity with him into heaven. And we see this theme of completion and hope in really all of our readings today, but especially in our first reading in our gospel, because we could really, we read them kind of backwards um, in, in terms of how Luke wrote them, because we hear from the very beginning of the Acts of the Apostles, and we hear the very end of the Gospel of Luke. And Luke wrote both of them as a two-work volume. And he mentions in the Acts of the Apostles that Theophilus, the one he's addressing, in the first book, so his gospel, I dealt with all that Jesus did and taught while he walked among us. And he gives kind of two different versions of the ascension. He gives us a version that we just heard from the gospel, but then he also gives us, he starts out with the ascension in the Acts of the Apostles. And in both of these um, cases, we hear that the apostles, in one sense, need to be reassured of God's plan. Even after his resurrection, they still don't fully understand um, the uh, the full impact of what Jesus has done. And so Jesus, in the gospel we just heard, he has to say to his disciples, and this is, um, he's appeared to them shortly after his resurrection, and he says, Thus it is written that the Christ would suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins would be preached in his name to all the nations beginning from Jerusalem. So what's really important about this is Jesus has to remind his disciples that it was in God's plan, through God's providence, that the Messiah, that the Christ, would suffer and rise from the dead. Because, again, the disciples, I mean, Judas betrayed Jesus, Peter denied him, the other, most of all the other disciples fled from him. And so the passion was a real scandal for the disciples, right? It was very hard for them to comprehend that the Messiah was going to suffer, that he was going to be betrayed, scourged, suffer this awful crucifixion, be opposed by the leaders of the Jews, be executed by the Romans. This was not their the plan from their, from their mindset of who the Jewish Messiah was supposed to be. And Jesus has to remind them that this was all in God's plan. This was part of God's plan that the Messiah would suffer and rise from, from the dead, and then forgiveness, then the gospel would be spread throughout the world. And so it's him, it's Jesus reassuring the disciples right, that all of everything that's happened, even what seemed to be the worst thing in the world, the betrayal, the suffering, this great evil of him being executed, all of this was in God's providence. And God didn't abandon them in the midst of that. He was right there with them, and he was drawing a greater good out of it. 
And it's a great lesson for all of us, right? That especially in those moments when we're suffering, when it seems like God's abandoned us, when we can't really understand, we don't have the full picture of what's going on in our life, that God's still there. He's with us. He hasn't abandoned us. He's still working to draw good out of us. And he simply asks for us to trust and hope. And we get glimpses, right? We get glimpses here and there of God's plan and how he's drawing good out of it. But ultimately, we won't see the full picture until, God willing, we make it to heaven. But it's important for us to then have this hope and this trust in him. Another important detail that kind of shows how God is working to complete his plan that Luke gives to us is in our gospel, we have this little detail where Luke mentions that he takes them out as far as Bethany, raises his hands, blesses them, and then is taken up from them. What's interesting about that, it might seem like not important detail, but the only other time in Luke's gospel that the town of Bethany is mentioned is on Palm Sunday, when Jesus is approaching Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives, and Bethany is situated nearby the Mount of Olives. And so Luke makes mention of that. And Bethany is mentioned in the other gospels here and there, but Luke is very intentional about this. Right, that he, Jesus has a triumphal entry into Jerusalem. He's hailed as the Messiah, as the King of the Jews on Palm Sunday. And then he suffers this great betrayal, this rejection, and now he makes a triumphal exit after conquering sin and death. After he's risen from the dead, he, in a certain sense, he goes out the way he came in, but now victorious. He entered triumphant as a king, and now he's, he exits also a triumphant king who's conquered sin and death. Again, showing that this was all part of God's plan. In the Acts of the Apostles, we hear that, again, the disciples don't quite fully understand Jesus' plan. As they, um, as they gather together, they ask him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Right? So again, after Jesus has suffered, he's died, he's risen from the dead, the disciples still have their hearts set on this kind of political savior, political messiah. They're saying, well, now that you've conquered sin and death, you're going to throw out the Romans, basically, and restore and uh, be the Messiah that we all expected. And Jesus kind of gently, again, corrects their understanding. He says, it is not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has established by his own authority. And so he's saying, you're not going to have the full picture, right? You don't understand everything that the Father is doing, everything that I have done. But again, he doesn't leave them in the dark completely. He goes on to say, you will receive power from the Holy, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and then you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Right? So he doesn't give them the exact time he's returning to them, but he says, you're going to receive the Holy Spirit, so wait for that, but then you're going to go out and witness to the whole world. And so again, even after the resurrection, the disciples still need this correction of their understanding of what Jesus has done. Another way that Luke shows that he's bringing, that Jesus is bringing this great story of salvation to conclusion is that Luke ends his gospel as it begins. So the last lines that we heard is that they returned to Jerusalem with great joy and they were continually in the temple praising God. Well, if we go all the way back to the first chapter of Luke, Luke begins his gospel after a short introduction. He begins it in the temple with the angel appearing to Zechariah foretelling the the birth of John the Baptist. And so again, the temple for the Jews is the most holy place on earth, earth because it is the dwelling place of God. And so these, the dwelling place of God forms this bookend to Luke's gospel and showing that and 
especially through the ascension, that Jesus takes humanity up to God in heaven and that he wants to dwell, right? God wants to dwell with his people. And that's what, over the last few weeks, we've been hearing from the book of Revelation. As God's bringing his plan of salvation for the whole human race to completion, it's ultimately to dwell with you and with me. That's what he desires. And so, my brothers and sisters, this should give us great confidence and great hope. Again, God is always working in our hearts and in our lives, even in the midst of suffering, even in the midst when it seems dark and we don't quite fully understand or comprehend, but we are invited to trust. And we hear our letter, in our second reading, our letter to the Hebrews, really emphasize this. And it says, Let us approach with a sincere heart and an absolute trust. Let us hold unwavering, unwaveringly to our confession that gives us hope. For he who made the promise is trustworthy. And that our confession, our faith in the Lord, is what gives us hope. And that the author to Hebrews is emphasizing he's trustworthy. Right? We can trust Jesus, again, even when we don't fully understand or comprehend everything that's going on. And even we'll hear at the end of our Mass today, our prayer after communion has this emphasis as well. We'll hear these words, Almighty, ever-living God, who allow those on earth to celebrate divine mysteries, grant, we pray, that Christian hope may draw us onward to where our nature is united with you. And it's emphasizing that we're to have hope in Jesus, in his promises, because he has already united himself with us, taken our nature into heaven, and that's what he wants to do with each one of us. And so, my brothers and sisters, as we receive Jesus in the Eucharist, as we're united to him sacramentally in his body, blood, soul, and divinity, it's asking for that grace of trust and hope, especially that when we're in the midst of suffering, we don't understand fully what Jesus is doing, that we will know that by being faithful to him, we're cooperating in this great plan of salvation, this great plan that is coming to completion, both in our own lives and in the lives of the world, and in the lives of all those in the world. And that great plan of salvation ultimately, ultimately leads to us dwelling with him in heaven.